I saw Kate. What? Last night, in the jungle, before the last flash, she was delivering Claire's baby. But that was two months ago. Time travel's a bitch. <laughs> Welcome to Tessa Watches Lost, Monkey Off My Backlog, second weekly podcast where one of us reacts to a TV show that the other has forced us to watch. I'm your host, Sam, and with me is Tessa. We're talking more time travel shenanigans with the episodes Jughead and The Little Prince. Let's get weird in chronological order. So weird. I'm glad you're doing this in chronological order. I feel like it actually helps me after the fact to put all the pieces together because like, it's really fun when you're watching it and you're like, what time period is this? But it's nice after the fact to be like, okay, like when does stuff happen? I mean, I'm pretty sure I got a nosebleed just putting the notes together. So <laughs> yeah, you're the one who has to deal with all the timey wimey no. stuff. No, we're not going to say timey wimey on this, this podcast for this show. Time loop? Well, we'll see. There's actually okay. a couple of a couple of terms you could bandy about should one want to bandy. bandy. What I want to start with is, of course, 1954, the first place we come to chronologically. Naturally. Naturally. And I just want to ask you, this is, this is, to me, this is the most important question that comes out of these two episodes. And it does, we're going to tackle it right off the bat. You ready? Okay. Ellie really makes those fatigues work, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. All right. Yeah, there was just this moment when we were watching it where I was like, oh, hello there, new hot character. Oh, yeah. I, I don't care about these other assholes you're with, but uh, how about you join the squad? Yeah. That's fun. You know what else is fun? She knows Daniel. That's fun. Well, no, she knows that they're American. She are thinks you, that are they're you another. Sure? Yeah, I think when she says that, she means like the Americans couldn't stay away. Yes, and we are going to circle back to that at the end of the episode, uh, just how many people know about this island, but let's leave that where it is. So as you say, she doesn't know Daniel. She thinks she knows Daniel, as in who he represents, right? This does bring up a good question, though. Is Daniel British or American? Well, he was at Oxford. I didn't know they let Americans in. Yeah, but yeah, he doesn't have a British accent. And yes, I know they actually let Americans in. That's a joke about Oxford. I get it. I'm just right. saying, like, it didn't occur to me until these episodes. I, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, are, is he American? Is he from Britain? Like, because Desmond goes to look for his mom right. in Britain. Well, I mean, the thing is, after seeing Justified, I think he's from Kentucky. So it's just a whole thing. That's fair. It's hard to know. Anyway, something else that's fun. The others speak Latin. Why? Because, as Juliet says, it's the language of the enlightened. Neat. Is this more cult behavior or is Juliet just BSing Sawyer here? I mean, okay. Or John. It's actually John, I think, no, that she BSs. No, I don't think so. I I think that that she is trying to find a life that's meaningful in this moment where everything's become decentered and difficult and you don't know what's gonna happen and you could die at any moment or be propelled forward and backward to God knows when. And you know, as as Viktor Frankl once said, you know, man's search for meaning is 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 super important, right? This is this is this is existentialism. This is the the biggest ideology of the 20th century writ large. 
Juliet has found meaning by trolling Sawyer. And I, mean, I gotta say. It's it's a way to go. I mean, I, I agree with it. I applaud it. I have to say I am much more invested in Juliet this season. I like her. I like her a lot this season. She's like, she's, she's a gamer. She's sassy. She's a gamer. She's like here to stay alive. She's here to help other people out. Like, yeah, I, I am, I'm good with this. I am single-handedly bringing the phrase gamer back. You really are. And it's old usage. <laughs> Her explanation for the Latin thing, while I accept your existentialism explanation, I like that in the episode, it basically plays as, well, of course I know Latin. I'm an other. Like, it's very much like a, because we do. Like, you know, it's like that moment in The Dark Crystal where she suddenly has wings and he's like, why don't I have wings? And she's like, because I'm a girl, stupid. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yikes. Jughead is a hydrogen bomb. Yikes. Did you know they had a hydrogen bomb on the island, Tessa? I didn't. However, as is discussed in the episode, it shouldn't be surprising considering the fact that after the war, especially in the 50s, the U.S. was testing a lot of atomic weaponry in the Pacific. This is the reason given for the origin of Godzilla in the most recent iteration of Godzilla. They show at the beginning of the film a lot of these like old footage of these tests, which begs the question... Is this actually a Godzilla origin story? I was thinking turtle, but turtle is Gamera. Right. So maybe it's not a turtle. Maybe it's Godzilla. Who's to know? And, you know, the other thing is it kind of reminds me of the beginning of the season where they're like, don't use dynamite. And I'm like, yeah, don't use dynamite. Not because of the reason you said, but because of the hydrogen bomb on the island. I, first of all, love Daniel's whole thing here. He's doing great. But aren't he and Ellie and Sawyer and pretty much anyone else within like 100 feet of that thing, like irradiated? Because its casing is broke open. Well, I'd like to say that that's something that matters later. But, you know. I mean, that's fair. I mean, and, and I would say if, it, if, if you hadn't brought in Ellie and the others, I would say I don't really think they're going to have to worry about that for very long. Well, Richard certainly doesn't. Yeah, we'll get to Richard. Before we get to Richard, let's talk about Jughead. More specifically, where's Betty? No, more specifically, Bill and Ted logic. Daniel lays down some Bill and Ted logic. He does. If you do this, if you do this, the bomb won't go off. How do you know? Because I was in the future and it didn't happen. It's. But it did happen. Excellent. Air guitar. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I I saw that too when he said that. He. He's he's going places like we've talked a little bit about the whole Sawyer being the leader of the group now, or is it John or whatever? But of course, they're separated from that. And in the absence of both John and Sawyer, Daniel does a pretty good job in this episode of like leading the group like he bullshits Richard. Well, and and the interesting thing is, and we're going to get to it because it does happen in these episodes. We find out that Daniel is not a as good of a person as we think he is. But we'll get to that. He's a we mad scientist. He never was going to turn out to be as good of a person as been, he seems to be. It would have been be. weird if he... Okay. All right. Oh, hey. It's the undisputed heavyweight champion of eyeliner, Richard Alpert. Is Richard a vampire? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, at this point, I'd accept it. I mean, we already knew that he... We, the audience, mm-hmm. knew that he was ageless, Perhaps yep. immortal because we saw him talking to John when John was 
a child yes. looking the same. Mm-hmm. But this is where it's revealed to the people still on the island that he is perhaps immortal. And and by the way, for those of you keeping score at home, what John Locke has done here is create a causal loop. Richard Alpert goes to see John as a child, which puts him on a course to end up on the island where John Locke tells Richard Alpert to go find John Locke. We see it happen here. And in theory, in theory, the world should have ended at that point. The universe is just done. Now, we've ditched the single timeline theory of time travel in in favor of quantum time travel which allows quantum. for yeah it allows for any of these things to happen because this is just a branch you know and that that whole Owen Wilson business this reminds me there's a Terry Pratchett moment where death cuz death always shows up in Terry Pratchett when somebody dies but then there's a moment where he shows up when a character almost dies and the character's like what are you doing here and he says i have to start showing up now whenever you could die because of the whole multiverse because there's a place where you did die. And he goes, what? And death says, and death says it's quantum. They don't explain these things to me. The thing about this is this is sloppy. Like, Oh yeah, it is. Causal loops do not work. I I mean, doc Brown was very, very clear about this. Oh, you can't, you can't. I mean, even when we were talking about this in our star Trek thing with the whales, star Trek four, yeah, um, we talked a lot about how what Scotty does in that film isn't a causal loop when he gives him the algorithm yep. for the for oh, the plastic yeah. because he basically says, like this, we don't know if he invented it or not. Like we don't actually know who invented this formula mm-hmm. and he could have done it or he could have had it and then lost it. You know, like basically what he's not doing what he's doing is not a causal loop. However, in the first uh Star Trek, the 2009 Star Trek film, we establish that what Spock does is a causal loop because he gives Scotty a formula that Scotty invented. Or is it not a causal loop because they're in the Kelvin verse? It's Star Trek. It's fine. <laughs> what I will say. I'm just trying to compare this to the what our other conversations on time travel. J.J. Abrams. Woo. Uh, is oh, that, that's right. It's yeah, the same I know. guy. I like how you were just talking about that. I just that like, all. totally yeah. forgot for a second. All right. It's time to play a game. A game of... Did they do this on purpose and half-ass it? Did they do it on purpose and it totally makes sense to them? Or they don't care, cash the checks. On today's episode, Locke tells Richard that he's the boss of them. Gives him the compass. Gives him the compass. Tells him about about finding... And he's gone. Is that the thing that's supposed to save us from total causal loopitude? The fact that he doesn't get to say his whole thing? It's only part of it. It's not a perfect circle. It's more like a... A partial circle? Yeah. Perhaps. I don't know. To me, that's not as interesting of a question as... What is Richard's goal here? (laughs) Like, because what makes him pay attention to Locke is the invocation of Jacob. We don't know anything about. So there's still that. I mean, there's still that mystery out there. But... Richard says you can't be our leader because we start really young and there's a whole process to it, which we kind of seen with Ben. So my question is, is Ben the puppet master or is Richard the puppet master? Because it really feels like Richard has groomed both these people. What if neither one of them are puppet masters? 
everyone on the show are puppets who have come alive. That's as good of an explanation as any at this point. My point is, is that this exploration of Richard and the, he seems to know more than anybody else seems to know. And I do wonder if Ben, he let Ben be in control and then he lets John be in control because it's easier to steer them than it is to accomplish what he wants to do out in the open. I'm not sure. My point is, is that I feel like this discussion is interesting because it does bring up who is the real leader of the others and what are the others. Um, because none of the rest of them seem to be like Richard. Well, just remember, as, as we move away from 1954, just remember, as Sigmund Freud came up with and then Jacques Lacan later codified, the other only exists in relationship to the one. So it's not really who are the others. It's who is the one. I know who it isn't because guess who's one of the others? That's right. Charles Widmore. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, this was a genuinely shocking twist to me. I was not expecting this. This is interesting because I always assumed, and I've said on previous episodes, that Ben and Charles seem to be locked in this like immortal combat situation. Did you say immortal yes, combat? Yes, I did, and I meant nice. it. Uh, but at this point, it seems like maybe my other theory that I just espoused might be correct because... Charles is Charles a native of the island or is Charles a shipwrecked member of the island or was he brought over by Richard I I do wonder this does seem like maybe Richard is pulling the strings maybe he manufactured the enmity between Charles and Ben all right by the way before we leave 1954 I just need you to say the line from Futurama please I'm not taking time travel advice from Mr. I my own grandpa on to 1988. How do we know it's 1988? We'll get to that. But first, Juliet's nose is bleeding. She's technically person number three who's had her nose bleeding, but we haven't gotten to person number two yet because that's in the future. Right. I mean, it's about who's been on the island the longest, clearly. And we already know Charlotte was born on the island, and that's why she's been having it longer. She has a seizure, right? Right before the the time jump happens, or right after, sorry, right after the time jump happens. Julia, it would make sense because she's been on the island longer than Sawyer and Daniel, who are not showing any signs of this yet. So I'm going to borrow from Quantum Leap and and basically say these dates aren't random. We're, we're at 1954 for a reason that could be because if Daniel doesn't show up in 1954. The island goes boom. That's true. It could be. And in 1988, a very significant event happens. But before we get to that event that happens, oh, look, it's Jin. Oh, look. He's alive. Yeah. I want to go back to your point, though, about the island. Because we know the island is semi-sentient, perhaps, because it is trying to protect itself it is trying to get like Hurley and the others to come back right it's speaking to Hurley through images of dead people it keeps people alive right in order to do what they want to do so it totally makes sense to me that these times wouldn't be random like that the island is taking them specifically to where they need to be that being said yay Jin is live island takes them where they need to be gross Tessa gross I'm that's what the show is saying not what I'm saying Yuck. Anyway, oh look, 
Here's why 1988's important. It's Rousseau. So, yeah, so Rousseau saves Jin, and I'm so happy to see her. I love Rousseau. I really hope we get to see more of her in the next episode because she's amazing. She's obviously played by a younger actor here, which is unfortunate, but I, I'm just so happy that we're not done with this character because I love her so much. But it's also really cool to see her interact with Jin because Jin knows who she is. Well, maybe we'll get to see more of that for later. For now, let's go to 2004. Charlotte's down, and she's back up again. You're never going to keep her down. We missed a very important thing back in 1954. What did we miss? Daniel said that he loves Charlotte. Oh. It's very important to me and my romantic well, well, ties okay, in this show. Okay, but, but hold on. No, we didn't miss it in 1954, because Daniel's love for Charlotte is timeless. Now Tessa, who's being on. gross? Who? Why do you... Why do you hate love, Tessa? Oh, my God. I just... Mm. So, anyway. Here, we, we've seen... That was a Miss Piggy, we've seen, by the way. We've seen Jack go on and 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 on. Oh, so much on. About having to go back to the island. Jack's but, not doing well. <laughs> well, we're not even to him yet because here's Locke saying we have to bring them back to the island. And Sawyer's like, what? And Locke's like, don't you want to see her again? And Sawyer's like, I'm in. And Tessa I, over here is like, I don't ship Sawyer and Kate. Blah, blah, well, blah. we talked about this because, like, I think Sawyer needs Juliet because Juliet knows how to manage him. Because we see that when he's, like, trying to hover too much over Charlotte. And he's, like, yelling about, like, what's, what's going on. And she's like, James, back the fuck up. And he does. He just needs somebody to, like, tell him when he's being an idiot. It's fun. Kate, I don't think, actually knows how to do that because she's too passive-aggressive and she has her own stuff. And so that's ultimately why I don't think they work together. Now, I am not willing to count out the power of love because we all know that the power of love can make a lot of things work. Except for this show. Except for this show. I am willing to say throuple. Mm -mm. I'm willing to go that far. I'm willing to say Kate, Juliet, and Sawyer. Okay, listen, I'm just going to stop you right there. Why do you not believe in platonic friendship? Because I think that they'd be hot together. Ugh. Look, I read ro- my romance novels. I want my my characters to be together. I think that they'd be good together. Maybe Juliet, the way she's good for Sawyer, would be good for Kate. Because she would also tell her, like, you need to back up or you need to get over yourself or you need to, like, snap out of it. Like, I could see that. And then you said that Kate and Jack have to be together. And so I'm just going to say, if you are insisting... I never said Kate and Jack have oh, to sorry, be together. Oh, sorry, sorry. You also think Mugwash. that... Sorry, you didn't say that. You are a Sawyer-Kate ship. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> well, what do you believe in then? Not this show. Anyway, I'm willing to say a quad, except for Jack is kind of lame right now, and yeah. I'm not into it. And plus, as you pointed out, Sawyer and Jack would kill each other. Okay. So my last offer is a throuple. Okay, fine. You say this, and then literally the next thing that happens is, well, not really about what you said. It's about Loxy. I was about to say, is there a throuple I didn't notice? Now, now hold on now. <laughs> you had your piece. Hush. Now, <laughs> Lock sees the beam. Remember that time he got really agitated and he thought it was a sign that the light came up, but it was really just Desmond? Well, he sees it, and maybe this time it's just as... No, he knows better. It's just Desmond. 
It's a fake out. It's a fake out. We got a fake out because the real sign is when Sawyer sees Claire having her baby. And who helps her have the baby? That's right. Kate Austin, the woman of his dreams. There is no other person for him but Kate. And he is reminded of this at just the right time. Because the island wanted him to. Because, because Sawyer needed to play a part in what Locke says needs to happen. So the island was like, oh, hey, let me show you. So there's a couple things here. Yeah, I'm just using your theories. No, no, I agree. Your I absolutely theories agree. Prove the thruple no, wrong. No, no, no. I absolutely agree with you in terms of that. No, it doesn't prove the thruple wrong. It just proves yes, that Kate and Sawyer belong together, but that doesn't mean Juliet doesn't belong with both of them, which can be proven because who does he tell about Kate? The only person he tells about Kate is Juliet. And he volunteers this information. She does not have to drag it out of him. They are both paddling away together in that weird Platonic random boat that they found. Friendship. And he's all like, let me tell you about this thing. I also have to say, though, that when Locke started explaining the thing about the beam of light, I was like, that was season one. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it just feels deep like it's cut. been so long. Yeah, it feels like a deep cut. Like, oh, yeah, that was a mystery that didn't go anywhere. So the last thing I'll say before we leap forward a whole year is we did Bill and Ted back in the 50s, right? Now we're doing Back to the Future. Sawyer knows on some level he cannot go interfere and change the past because once again, the universe will go kaboom. On some level, he knows this. But I I like how the writers of the show were like, "Uh, well, it's not time to send the Terminator back, so let's see what else we can do time travel pop culture-wise. All right. Moving on to 2005. We really just have one thing in this part of 2005. So Kate and Jack and Aaron are going to be a family, Tessa, if they tell just just one big little lie. And that's going to work out, probably. I mean, this is not surprising. We already knew that this happened. But it is interesting to see, one, I mean, there is, again, that, like relationship between Kate and Jack because Kate says, you know, I've always been with you to Jack when he asks her about this. But I mean, again, we already knew this happened. So it's just, it's just a nice scene between the two of them, which again convinces me that like, maybe this should be a quad and I don't like quads because I don't like Jack, but that is clearly what the show is trying to tell us is that she, she's willing to back up Jack's play, at least up until this point she was, but she also wants to keep Aaron I I often have wondered why she wants to keep Aaron because it feels like like maybe it's a keeping him in the family like no one else is going to care about him the way that we care about him like I'm just it is interesting that she's like we have to lie about it because they will take him away from us eight nine months something in the neighborhood later Penny and Desmond are having a baby have a baby a baby on a boat on a boat. They are together on that boat and they have a baby. In the Philippines. Cool. I mean, I don't have a lot to add to that. It's a really nice moment. (laughs) Well, two years later in 2007. He has such great curly blonde hair. Two years later in 2007, we're not going to talk about them. We'll get back to them. Let's go to LA. Detective Kate reporting for duty. I have to ask, is there just one lawyer in LA and is it just this dude? Is he doing all the law in LA? Sam... Reads notes. Detective Kate 
Is Norton the only lawyer in L.A.? I mean, seriously, because it's like he's doing a thing for Kate and he's doing the thing for Claire's mom. And like, he's a busy person. Right. And 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 before we go further down that that plot line, just let's let's swing back to the idea that Saeed was shot with some very, very high doses of horse tranquilizers. That scene in the hospital's great. It's very Bond. It's it's very Jason Bourne of him. It's it's really funny how like he's the action hero and like second comedic relief after Hurley. I I think that's great. It's I, great. Right. Um. So okay. Back to Norton. Well, shucks. Kate and Jack thought that Norton was Claire's mom's lawyer, and they were trying to get Aaron back. But they were wrong. Yeah, she's just there for the payout. And he's handling that for her, I guess. Because, again, only lawyer in L.A. Only lawyer in L.A. Only lawyer in L.A. That's why the court system's so tied up there, you see. So um, this is, this is, I believe, the effect of the O.J. trial. Yeah. yeah there I, can I, only I be think, one. It's I actually so. a Highlander situation. Ooh, a Highlander like, situation. That's why he's yeah. moving around all the time is because he's trying to avoid other lawyers that are trying to, like... Other mm-hmm. want-to-be lawyers mm-hmm. who... Is that why when you drive into L.A. you hear a Queen soundtrack? Yes. Okay. So this whole thing's awkward. But I bet you we could make it more awkward. <laughs> you or... always can. Yeah, so, well, turns out Norton is Ben's lawyer. This is awkwarder, It I is think. always fucking Ben. You remember I said that at the beginning? And I want you, And now I want you to say the line from American Dad. I'm going to get there. It's going to be you. I'm going to get there and it's just going to be you in a costume. (laughs) That might be actually the best line from that show. It is. Uh, So Ben has now successfully on purpose, perhaps exactly the way he wanted it. Can't see how, but he's reunited Jack, Kate and Saeed. He's got lock on ice. So all he needs is Hurley, which we're working on and son who has Aaron. But wait, Detective son with a gun, which rhymes. Evil detective son. Rut row. Yeah. Actually, also, that was the other thing that uh, Norton was also helping Ben get the charges dropped against Hurley so Hurley couldn't be held. So he was doing two things for Ben. That's right. That, this, is, this is an example of competence. It's good. There's a reason he's the only one. Like, he's, he's a good lawyer. He does his job. Presumably. During all the events of not just this episode, but all the 2007 L.A. stuff, Desmond is doing his own side quest. Or, if you look at it from his perspective, the main mission. Yeah, I guess that was true. Isn't that neat? Yeah. Like, what's the main mission? Is it the people time traveling around on the island? Is it Desmond trying to fix time travel with Daniel? Is it the L.A. stuff? Is it... Gin? <laughs> well, what's... Yeah, I was about to say, all, this, all of these people have their own, like, things they're doing. I don't know. I mean, like, Desmond doesn't know anything about what's going on. He just knows that he suddenly remembers talking to Daniel in the past. He does remember that. That's all he do- knows. He doesn't know that they're time traveling. He doesn't know anything about Jack and Kate and all but of But as them. he says, it's not a dream. It's a memory. Right. So Desmond is on a quest to find Daniel's mother. That's right. Detective Desmond. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I can't wait for Detective Obi-Wan Kenobi next month. <laughs> I know. 
So Obi-Wan Kenobi, private eye. Oh, jeez. So Oxford is pretending that Daniel doesn't exist. Why? Because, as you said earlier, he's a mad scientist. He Victor Frankenstein that shit. He sure did. And now a girl named Teresa is in a trance. Now, I was reminded at this point in the episode by Tessa that this is not unlike our favorite radio engineer from the boat. Yeah, so it's interesting because it's interesting because you think Daniel would know this because he's the one who told Desmond you need a constant, right? Because the whole point was is that these people were traveling too much between two different time periods, quantum leap style, and the only way that they could not become comatose is the constant. So you think that Daniel would know this. And this is how he knows it, though. Yeah, I guess that is how he knows it. Because he tries to replicate what happened with Desmond on this girl, and she goes comatose, just like the rest of the people do. So, yeah, it's interesting. Okay. It's very different, though, from what's happening to Daniel right now. Right. Because Daniel is physically traveling through time, not Mm -hmm. mentally traveling through time. Right. And, you know, the, the, the fun thing about this is, Desmond is the one who's putting pieces together. It is unclear whether he realizes he's putting pieces together or that he's doing a puzzle. I will say that's one of the things about this show is that we, it's a mystery to us what's going on, but we know more about it than the individual characters do. And sometimes that works really well. Sometimes it's a little frustrating. The biggest reveal here is that Whitmore funded Daniel's research whole time, which isn't surprising because... He funded Daniel to come to the island. And so how did he know about Daniel? Because he funded, okay, actually it makes complete sense. But anyway, Desmond confronts Whitmore when he finds out about all this. and Definitely doesn't tell Penny about it. That That's a good relationship move. Well, but he doesn't she, tell Whitmore about her either. Well, that's fine. Yeah. He's trash. I'm okay well, with that. Well, yeah. But she does know he's lying about something. And he finally gets... she. She knows he's lying about something, and she finally gets out of him that Daniel's mother is in L.A. So, we're off to L.A. Hooray. I like that she's just like, because when he comes in, he's like, okay, no, that's it. We're done. Like, I, I, you're the most important thing. I'm not going to do this anymore. And she's like, you're not going to be able to forget about it. Go ahead and do it. We have one final time period. It could be 2007. It could be sometime later. Who knows? Hard to know. I certainly don't. Miles is having nosebleeds. Juliet was person number three, and so person number two, so we see this first, but it's actually the thing that happens last chronologically. And it becomes clear at this point that it's how much time you've been on the island. Come on, Tessa. How could you not figure that out? Oh, my God. Uh, So... This is interesting. This is interesting. And it brings up a whole new theory. And I think I'm right. I think I'm right. Those of you who are listening to this, if you are cackling at what I'm about to say, don't tell me. Miles is Pierre Chang's son because at the very beginning of the season, we see Pierre Chang taking care of a baby, which seems like interesting information we didn't know before. But we also know that if it's going in order of people who've been on the island, that he must have been on the island longer than Juliet, but he doesn't seem to remember it. To me, this indicates that he was a baby, just like Charlotte was, ergo, most likely Pierre Chang's son. 
it would explain a lot actually because he has this whole sixth sense power and Dharma Initiative were clearly doing some like MK Ultra shit on this island. So like he's like one of those kids with like ESP powers or whatever from the experiments they were doing. I have one final question for you about this time period. Who's in the canoes? Who's who's got the uh, Ajira water bottles? What's all? What, who are these people? Well, are they the same people? Is it two different groups of people? What's going on, Tessa? I think this is actually after they left the camp, right? So we don't know who these people are. These might be. Well, I know we don't know. I'm asking you who you think. No, it is. I mean it could be the others. It could be, although that doesn't make any sense at this point, um, because they're not anti John Locke. <laughs> It could be Jack and that group of people, although mm-hmm. why would they be shooting at them? I right. don't know. It could be Widmore's people. I mean, right. I'm sure he has more people. I mean, it could be a new person. Who knows? So I'm going to tell you who it is. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I think it's important to tell you who it is. It is the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Of right. course. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. A final overall question for you that's related this secret island. That is unknown to everyone. Like, I think it's getting more traffic than LaGuardia Airport at this point. Oh, yeah. It's like Tatooine in Star Wars. (laughs) Like, it's a backwater place that apparently everyone visits. So, just to be clear, let's let's see if I leave anybody out. On the list, we have the others. Who may or may not be native to the island. Sure. The U.S. Army. Yes. By implication. The French researchers. Yes. Mm -hmm. The plane crash survivors. Widmore's expedition. Mm-hmm. Someone with a Jira water bottles, canoes, and guns. Yes. And anybody else? Uh, Jacob, I guess. Dharma Initiative. <laughs> I actually forgot the Dharma Initiative off this list. Sorry. And then whoever Jacob is. All right, that's fine. So Jacob isn't any one of these groups of people. I think Jacob is his own thing. Okay. And Richard is part of it. Is this a Norman Bates situation? No, this is a. Could Richard be Jacob? No, this is a David S. Pumpkin situation. (laughs) I can't believe you didn't get my reference just now. Oh, I did. I was just going to not recognize it. (laughs) You're like, nope. No, I got that. I can't wait to watch more. I really can't. I I genuinely feel like I am more invested in this season than I have been in a long time. And it wasn't like I wasn't invested before. Just remember, kids, only love can break your heart. Let's go watch another episode. Until next time, you can find me on Twitter at Sam underscore Morris 9, and you can find Tessa at The Buy Paradox. Until next time, beyond where you can see, there's an island, and it's a very special island. I left it a long time ago. I never thought I'd see it again. It's called Great Britain, and the most beautiful part of the island is Scotland, and that's where your daddy's from. There's mountains and glens and monsters and deep locks, and it's where your mummy and daddy fell in love. It's also where he broke her heart. Yeah, well, I thought I'd leave that wee bit out of it.